Hello, this is Derek Ray, and you're listening to Bavarian Podcast Works. Hello and welcome in to yet another phenomenal episode of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Jake Fenner. It is the end of the first weekend of the Rook Runda, and Bayern Munich got off to a great start. We will be talking about that, and today, the day we are recording this episode on a Tuesday, saw a lot of action for Bayern Munich on the transfer market. So we are going to get into a little bit of that and specifically what it means for Byron's first team, what it means for the youth ranks, and then what we might be able to see for the future. But before we get into that, I must first introduce my brother-in-arms for this project, Tom Adams, who joins me now. Tom, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. Byron started in probably the best fashion they probably could have. Uh, All is well. Uh, I hope you're doing well. I'm glad to be back on with you. I know that uh, during the winter pause, I was very awkward and it felt like it was way, way too long. It was great to be back last week and it's good to be back again on a more consistent basis. And there wasn't a better Bayern win, I would say, than the one that started off our Rookrunda. A team that gave Bayern fits in their very first game of this Bundesliga season was put to bed pretty convincingly in a really great second half for the Bavarians. But the first half was a bit of a problem, ending in a nil-nil draw. It was relatively even-keeled. It seemed like probably the first time that Bayern was really matched by a lesser opponent. Like, truly matched by a lesser opponent for the first time in a while, and that was all thanks to Hertha's counter-attacking style that just looked so dangerous at times. But when the second half started, Hertha started a little bit more reserved, and it was revealed before kickoff that Jurgen Klinsmann was just hoping for a draw against Bayern at home. So it kind of seemed like they were trying to play for that. But Ivan Perisic kept trying and trying for goals, but... It could not happen for him at first, but in the 60th minute, a beautiful, beautiful team goal came about when Goretzka and Lewandowski kept passing back and forth. Leon sent in a cross. Perisic found the cross off of his head, but instead of trying to go right for goal where Jarstein, the Hertha keeper, was, he sent it to the back post where Thomas Müller was able to just poke it in to open up the score sheet at 1-0. In the 64th minute, there was a really interesting VAR decision that I want to just touch on a little bit. Lewandowski goes up to try to challenge for the ball with Jarstein. Jarstein gets both hands on the ball. Lewandowski hits Jarstein's hands with his head, and it it didn't really seem like it was that egregious of a foul. He didn't, like, clatter into Jarstein. He didn't, like, send him down to the ground. If anything, he just was able to knock the ball out of his hands. Nevertheless, Jarstein started complaining to the referee about it. The referee went over to the monitor, saw that Jarstein was right, 
erased the goal, but then still gave Jarstein a yellow card. That one just doesn't make sense to me. While I disagree with the fact that the goal was taken off, why would you go ahead and then penalize a player who was completely in the right for arguing with you about your initial call, which you then overturned, admitting that you were wrong? There's just no reason to go ahead and penalize a player for that that just seemed a little bit silly to me uh but Lewandowski was able to chip in with his uh necessary his requirement of one goal per game Goretzka got pulled down by his arm in the box it was really just no question of it being the penalty Louis sent Yarstein the wrong way to make it 2-0 uh Toriago came back or Tiago if you will in the 75th minute just a wonderful strike from him and then Ivan Perisic was finally able to go ahead after so many tries in that first half. He was able to find a cross from Thomas Muller, and he was able to head it into the net to make the final score from this one 4-0. It is one of the first times in a long time for the Bavarians that they were able to go into the capital city and come out with full points. So, Tom, what were your thoughts on this game and this team performance overall? Well, last week when we recorded our episode and we uh, briefly previewed this match, I was I was saying one of the main differences between uh, Hertha Berlin under Ante Ciovic uh, and Hertha Berlin under Jurgen Klinsmann was Klinsmann's uh, willingness and ability um, and, I guess, preference to, to taking more risks, especially against the better side. And the way that he set up you know, his team to come out against Bayern was kind of exactly what I was looking for. I had made a note of the fact that Klinsman had kind of made the decision to start deputizing Luka Bakio uh, from a wide role to kind of highlight his pace. You know, he's one of those players who's always better, who's running into space and running at defenders on the ball. Um, with that midfield anchor that consisted uh, of the little triangle of uh, Aska Sieber, Marco Grujic, uh, and Dorita, I thought that they did a really good job in the first half of keeping those spaces tight. Uh, and making it difficult for Bayern to find spaces to pass into. And while Bayern did have their chances in the first half, I thought that uh, Berlin converted what they set out to do is frustrate Bayern, you know, make those spaces very compact, make it very difficult for Bayern to uh, find any room uh, to really have that freedom and then spring those counterattacks. I believe it was Davy Selke midway through the first half, and, you know, almost got uh, a good header on the, uh, on the, on the back end of a counterattack that was led by uh, Luca Bacchio winning the ball. Fortunately for Bayern, it was right at Neuer and didn't, it didn't post him any threats for him. But, you know, it was one of those things that kind of illustrated the game plan uh, that Berlin had uh, for this match. But I think one of the things that's also worth mentioning, there were some of those periods where it was kind of like same old Bayern, especially playing out of the back. Um, I know that uh, David Alba, Boateng sometimes have... They have the the vision is right. They want to. They don't always want to make that easy pass. That's either backwards or lateral. Um, they want to play it through a couple of bodies and get it up to space to either Coutinho, Lewandowski, Müller, Perisic, whoever is playing up there. But sometimes that pass just doesn't come off, and it, it it can put Bayern in bad situations when the midfielders are pressing up, trying to become attacking options. And there was a little bit too much of that in the first half, and I feel like in the second half we really got rid of that and started playing more direct and quicker passes and it goes back to that premise it's much harder to defend a ball that's constantly moving 
than a ball that might take uh, you know two or three touches per person uh, to get from player to player when you are uh, making that interlinking play. And as you mentioned, the goal started to come in the second half. You know, when you're playing against a side that's built and set up to spring the counterattacks, you know, they're more than willing and more than ready uh, to play those quick passes out of the press. And I felt that Bayern in the first half kind of implemented that press more. They were really hunting in packs. I specifically remember during my live tweet session of this game that just making a point, you know, whether it was Goretzka, Perisic, Coutinho, Moeller, Goretzka, Thiago, whoever it was, they really seemed to be hunting in packs in Berlin. were just finding those quick spaces, those quick outballs to spring the counterattacks. And whether it was a tactical adjustment by Hansi Flick or it was, it was just a natural shift in the narrative of the game, I thought that Bayern did a better job in the second half of sitting deeper and letting Berlin come to them uh, when they were in possession. And that translated well. And that in combination with playing those quicker, pass, quicker passes, especially uh, out of the back, whether it was Alaba, Boateng, Davies, uh, Pavard, or as you mentioned, uh, Thiago and Goretzka as those two uh, midfield anchors. I thought that Bayern did a way better job, you know, distributing the ball quicker, getting it out wide quicker when they needed. Uh, so, yeah, those those tactical adjustments in the second half, you know, Bayern sitting a little bit deeper, I think really made the difference. And despite Klinsmann taking his risks against us, um, we got away with the 4-0 win. I want to just touch on this performance from Ivan Perisic because he did a really good job. It was probably his best performance in Bayern Red ever since he came over from Inter Milan this summer on a loan. What can we expect from him in the future as he goes forward? Because he kind of started off a little bit rough, a more of a reserve player, but now with all the injuries that have piled up, do you think that he's going to be able to step up into a bigger role and a bigger position with this team? What's great about this and what's great about that question is I think he's such a professional and he's been around the game long enough and he's been in enough teams and he knows how old he is. He knows exactly why he was in this team and in this starting 11 uh, on, on Sunday afternoon. Obviously, Gnabry is just coming back from injury and an Achilles tendon problem. Uh, Coman was not in the squad. You know, he hasn't returned to full fitness yet. I think he knows that, you know, he he's probably behind the pecking order behind those two guys and, and also Coutinho. If Hansi Flick ever makes a decision to utilize Coutinho in a more wide role instead of centrally uh, as a center attacking mid or, or deeper lying midfielder as, as part of a, a three anchor, a double pivot or a triple pivot. But So I think it's fantastic that he had this performance and also the fact that he knows that you know he's kind of a squad player and a utility player. And that's probably a big part of the reason why he was purchased from Inter Milan. While he did uh, start and play the full 90 minutes of this one, get a goal and an assist and, and have a fantastic performance, he'll take every bit of confidence from this, um, which is great because, as I mentioned, he knows his role in this team. And certainly when Coman and Gnabry come back, you know they're probably going to go into the starting lineup at his expense, bar some tactical changes depending on you know what Hansi Flick wants to do in the midfield, you know, uh, a four-two-three-one, a four-three-three, a four-one-four-one, a four-four-one-one. Whatever it is, you know the dynamic also changes when Kimmich comes back uh, next weekend after he served his suspension against Hertha Berlin. But Perisic knows his role. Excellent performance. Take the confidence. Such a professional, such a veteran, and he can be very, very useful moving forward. Whether it's starting in the absence of either of these guys, you know, Coman, Gnabry, Muller, Coutinho, or coming on as a late substitute, he can make an impact wherever you need him to. And it was fantastic to see that performance from him. 
We're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we're going to discuss Bayern's wild day of transfers. Welcome back, and now we're going to go ahead and look at a couple of transfers that Bayern has made remarkably over the last 24 hours. We went from a club saying that we were not going to go out and get absolutely anybody to the kind of club that generates uh, rumors and signings really quickly. The signing of Alvaro Odriozola from Real Madrid went from rumor to a reported deal in a matter of four hours overnight. Most Americans just woke up to realizing that Bayern had just signed this player from out of nowhere. He had never been linked to Bayern prior to this. And yet, here he is. He's a 24-year-old Basque native on loan only for the Rook Runda. There is no deal in place. There is no clause to try to sign him at the end of this. Looking a little bit at his stats, he hasn't gotten a lot of time at Real. Uh, He's had 14 appearances the previous year, two assists, two yellow cards. Four appearances this year, an assist, a yellow, and a red. He's had two years at Sociedad before this, 53 appearances across two years, one goal for them in the Europa League, eight assists, one red card, and two yellow cards. There's not really a lot to take away from this transfer solely because of his lack of playing time over the last couple of years at Real, but judging by his time at Sociedad, you can tell that the raw talent is kind of there, and he's very prone to making a couple of mistakes, as we have seen in the fact that he's only had four appearances this season and already has a red card. But he should serve as a perfect depth piece for this injured Bayern team that's just looking for some kind of versatility along the back line. So uh, the question that I want to ask you, Tom, is that because he hasn't gotten a lot of time, do you think that we can see a major impact on this team sheet from him? Major? No. Impact where impact is necessary? I I, I think so. Last episode, we were talking about um, the winter transfer window, specifically people uh, kind of bashing Hassan Salihamidzic for the lack or the inactivity during this transfer window. And, you know, I mentioned plugging the holes um, when the opportunities are right. You know, if the price is right, if everything works for all of the parties involved. And I think this is exactly one of those situations. We don't have the exact fee yet that's involved for this. We just know that the official announcement is imminent. And I've actually done the due diligence. I've uh, contacted a colleague from a different uh, sports website that I used to write for. He covered a lot of La Liga and I did a lot of or I should say a decent amount of research on managing Madrid's website, which is uh, Real Madrid's SB Nation page. Some of the comments, you know, in, in searching his name is the fact that it's uh, there's risk and reward. There's an issue with his inconsistency, I guess. You know, some of the matches where he was involved, which is few and far between, you know, he was one of the best players on the pitch, but others, you know, he was clearly the weakest link. And, you know, it was also worth mentioning, you know, that the colleague I contacted, they said, you know, they were... Uh, reminded of how much money that Real Madrid spent on Fernand Mendy, uh, the French international who they they purchased from Lyon, who plays exactly the same position. Um, so it's as I mentioned with the transfer working for all parties involved. I think Bayern, you know, defensively, it's it's clear we have a lot of injuries and and, and depth issues, and especially with Hansi Flick's 
preference to keep playing Kimmich in the midfield when he uh, is involved, you know, specifically right back could be that problem area. You know, if Pavard goes down via suspension or injury, you know, we could be in a great deal of trouble. Personally, I think that Davies could play out there if he needs to. Um, he is predominantly left-footed, but I don't think why there's any reason why he couldn't do a job there. But just to echo everything, this this is exactly what I was referring to last week with, I think, Bayern just wanting to, to plug the holes where they can and, and kind of cover themselves. And yes, while he might be inconsistent, La Liga, as everyone knows, is an entirely different beast than the Bundesliga. So, you know, there's no reason why he can't be effective when he needs to be effective. I, I don't think the starting lineup is going to change or anything like that. But I think, you know, with us fighting across three fronts, the the league, the DFB Pokal, which remember the next round is coming up very soon, and the Champions League. Now, looking more towards the youth ranks outside of this Major news, of course, this morning with Odriozola, there were a couple of other transfers that happened. We got to see a really good young German talent that plays for Ajax's second team, Nicolas Kuhn, come into Bayern at least from now until the end of the summer. It was a huge deal to have to have Bayern 2 come to the Dreiliga, and they're kind of struggling there. Having a younger talent, much like Kuhn, come to this team might be incredibly helpful. He won the Fritz Walter Walter medal as the best young German player one year after Kai Havertz did. So looking at that, it just kind of tells me that he has the available talent that Byron will want to look at and try to use him as much as possible. The other two are outgoing transfers, one from Byron 2, one from the U19 side. Maximilian Franzka will be joining FC St. Pauli. Uh, he had a ACL injury uh, at the end of last year. Uh, he's probably not going to contribute much to St. Pauli's time until the very end of the season, so it's not like Byron is losing a talent in this season that they are in a desperate need for. And then the last thing that has been reported is that the U19 prospect Ryan Johansson will be joining Sevilla very soon. Uh, he's an 18-year-old from Luxembourg, but he's a primary central midfielder. He has seen time as a pretty good goal threat for the U19 team so we will be I guess hoping for the best for him now with these outgoing transfers right it kind of begs the question of how good is Bayern's youth team at this point that we can be able to let go of these two really good attacking talents and really good midfielding talents. So, Tom, what are your thoughts on their moves? Well, the Kuhn signing from from Ajax makes a lot of sense. You know, in my mind when I'm thinking of, of youth academies and youth systems uh, across Europe, you know, Ajax is one of those clubs. We've seen so many uh, exciting young talents come out of there just as we have you know, everyone knows, you know, how much emphasis Bayern places on youth development. You know, we've recently just spent a ton of money on our new youth campus for improved facilities and state-of-the-art facilities. 
And as you mentioned, I think that uh, as important as it was for uh, Bayern's reserves to get the promotion uh, to the three league, I think they knew that it was going to be a difficult task. I think Sebastian Honus and um, the Bayern reserve coaching staff knew that it was going to be an uphill battle, and it's proven to be a very difficult test for them. I think somewhere... Uh, excuse me, I think they sit somewhere like 15th place right now uh, in that league in the standings out of 20. So as I mentioned, they face that uphill battle. And I think all of these pieces of business, you know, especially with Fransky leaving, uh, Johansson, Johansson leaving to uh, St. Pauli and Sevilla respectively, it's also one of those things, you know, you have to wonder what, you know, in these contracts for these deals, you know, how much, you know, will Bayern be benefiting from how their paths kind of evolve you know will Fransky or Hansen catch a break at one of these respective clubs um, will they maybe go somewhere else for a big transfer fee after they gain a bit of prominence will they perhaps come back uh, to Bayern's reserves uh, to play in the three league again I'm just curious how much uh, financially speaking how much Bayern would benefit from either of those things happening you know let's say they make a break and they go to a bigger club if there's a decent transfer fee, is Bayern still benefiting from that? So I think that uh, with every transfer like this, there is a rhyme and a reason. I don't think Bayern would do anything willingly or let anything happen without a clear plan in place, especially with uh, some of the reserve and the youth guys. But I am just curious to see how these guys will both uh, pan out. As you mentioned, Fransky coming off of a, an ACL injury and, you know, <clears throat> Johansson, someone we haven't really seen much of, you know, uh, I, I can't say that I watch much of the U19s, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, what pans out of these guys, and you know, it'll be interesting to see if Kuhn is uh, ever able to work his way, uh, you know, to the first team, even if it's as a as a sub. You know, I think that Bayern is just we're all baying for the next uh, Thomas Müller or David Alaba, Joshua Zerksy, uh in, in that respect. You know, so. Hopefully, uh, Kuhn can be one of those guys. Now, the last question that I think should be addressed before we go is that Bayern Munich doesn't have a lot of time left in the transfer window. We have an upcoming game this weekend against Schalke, and that's going to be our last test before the transfer window closes because the game coming up after that, that following Saturday, is February 1st. So the question now becomes... Does Bayern make another move? Now, you can argue that they wouldn't do that because they weren't supposed to make any moves at all, and they already signed Odriozola, but at the same time, that one move from rumor to done deal reportedly in a really quick manner. So the time possibility is still there. The question is just, will it actually happen? I... I, my gut says no. I, I do kind of like actually the fact that this transfer came out of of nowhere because um, it seems like with us any any transfer saga you know th that starts with a simple rumor seems to just spiral out of control uh, to the point where you know it becomes like a one year long thing um, you know like a like a Shakespearean type thing. Uh, she loves me, she loves me not, you know, as far as the player that's linked with us, you know, a la Leroy Sané, Timo Werner, you know, there's just so many examples, Kai Havertz, you know, Coutinho, are we going to sign him on a permanent basis, you know, whatever it may be. So if another transfer does it, does happen and it comes out of nowhere, nowhere, I'm completely fine with it. I trust that the club uh, knows what they're doing. But again, my gut, my gut says no. I do remember reading somewhere last week, or it might have been earlier than that, when uh, Bayern were just finishing up their... Uh, winter training camp in Qatar and you know they had that horrendous friendly against Nuremberg 
uh, where I think it was it might have been Salihamidzic or, or Hansi Flick who had said, you know, when we get all these guys back from injury, you know, that old saying, it'll just be like having new signings. And once we have our full squad, you know, there really shouldn't be any issues there. Once we have Sula back, Hernandez, Gnabry, who was obviously back, but only played a few minutes against Berlin, Kingsley Coman, Nicolas Sula down the road. And then these these this new addition of Adriazola. So with that said, I, I think that uh, another signing is unrealistic. We do have about, uh, at the time we're recording, uh, nine, nine and a half days left in the transfer window. So uh, I, it'd be very unlikely uh, f- to have another incoming player. Um, maybe perhaps developments on, on Sané, Coutinho, or Havertz as far as uh, a future deal. But I'm going to say that there aren't going to be any more transfers in for Bayern. Um, but, you know, We've been shocked in the past, so that could happen as well. So that is going to wrap it up. It was a shorter episode this time, but we promise that we will be working even harder to bring you this Dara Ausblick episode coming up soon for the weekend's match against Schalke. And this is also a reminder, please be sure to fill out that survey to enter to win a pair of Bayern Munich beer glasses. All you have to do is fill out the survey attached to the blog post related to this podcast. So with that, we're going to leave that there. Thank you very much for listening. Please be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your quality audio content. Follow us on Twitter at Jefferson Fenner, at Tommy Adam 71 at Bavarian FB Works, and read the best German and Bayern soccer content every day at BavarianFootballWorks.com. So thank you very much, and until next time, we will see you later. Auf Wiedersehen.